0: State, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: Lejeune in a quarterback from Maryland, looking at third and nine out with 30-yard line. LeJon gets the snap, gets hit, dropped, oh, what a sack, big time hit by Jojo Doman, back at the 21-yard line, Doman's second sack of the year. Now
0: let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: Here we are. Thanks for joining us. A Wednesday night, our hump day edition of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Only two shows left for the week, and then we'll have our greatest game segment coming your way on Friday night. Going to head back to the volleyball arena. We're going to replay the 2015 championship match from up at CHI Center in Omaha as Nebraska beats the Texas Longhorns to win yet another national title. So looking forward to hearing that match back on Friday night, brought to you by the Nebraska Lottery. Coming up later on in this hour, another edition of the Husker Huddle, Jeremiah Searle sits down with Darian Daniels, who will be headed off to a a camp here soon to try to make it into the National Football League. So Darian, only a Husker for one year, but certainly his impact was felt being voted a captain uh, for uh, his one season at Nebraska. And I mentioned this last night, Ben, and we'll get to this here in just a second, but I want to speculate a little bit about who the captains might be for this football team. I think some of them are pretty obvious, but I think others are up for debate. I want to get into that topic here in just a little bit. We need to start with Nebraska football news as the Huskers have added a walk-on from a Power 5 program. A couple things. One, he's no typical walk-on. And two, this is a big fella. As Ezra Miller decides to leave the Iowa program and is going to walk-on at Nebraska, this... This could be an unbelievable get for the Huskers here in late June.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is a former four-star kid that, uh, I mean, offensive lineman at Iowa. So, you know, he came with, with plenty of uh, with notoriety. And unique situation that he was on or in in Iowa, um, you know, uh, from what I could gather from his statement and uh, some reporters have, have dug up kind of his story, uh, it appears it on the surface looked like he left to Iowa due to a back injury and that seemed to be what everyone was kind of scapegoating as his departure well as he clarified in his statement uh there were some pretty traumatic things that happened in his life uh concurrently that led to have him some depression and some anxiety to where um he wasn't taking care of himself and he needed a, a intense therapy to, to pull himself out and get himself together and Honestly, a pretty selfless act based on his statement to, to say, I, I didn't feel like I could be a good teammate. I didn't feel like I could give everything I could or needed to be able to, to be a, a, a productive member of the team. So I decided to step away until I got my, myself together. Um, well, in doing that and stepping away as a scholarship player, um he he couldn't go back and so that's what i gathered from what he was told from the ncaa so he entered his name in the transfer portal he finally feels like he's at a place where he can go play football again and and nebraska gets him uh as a walk-on nonetheless i mean this is a 6'6 300 pounder uh that kind of fits the mold of what greg austin wants in in terms of build of an o lineman you know on paper greg this is as good of a uh, a get for Nebraska as it would just a normal regular four-star kid. So, you know, you you bring somebody into Iowa from Iowa who redshirted last year and is still really ripe and, and you can kind of mold and, and fit in, into what you want to do. I think it's uh, is pretty tremendous. Now, uh, the question has come up, does he have to sit because he's a walk-on since he was a scholarship player at a Division One school at Iowa? Unless he's granted a waiver, uh, he will have to sit out a year. Now, you know you're stepping away from mental health issues um we've seen the ncaa be lenient on that we've seen the we anticipate the ncaa being lenient uh, with the coronavirus and, and waivers there so i would say there's a more than decent shot he's eligible immediately but as i've said multiple times i've, I've given up trying to predict where the NCA is going to go in terms of waivers there's no doubt in my mind he's going to file for a waiver to be eligible immediately but you got to give a lot of credit to the Husker coaching staff for what they've done in the walk-on department in terms of transfers in the last six months. I mean, you think about some of the guys that they've added that were uh, players at major colleges elsewhere under scholarship. You know, you, people may hear uh, some people just get turned off with the fact that you hear that you hear the words walk-on. They just assume that you know they're not as good or or, or whatever. But Greg, you look at Ezra Miller, now from Iowa, who's a former four-star. Jared Bubach, who was a tight end who played for Arizona State. Connor Culp, who was a kicker at LSU, who just got nudged out from a starter spot. Levi... Uh, Falk from uh, USD. And then you mentioned the young man from Colorado State, not going to try and butcher his name live on the radio, that you know he's going to come over too. <laughs> so these guys are all players that were recruited from major universities and, and, in, and in some instances played at major universities that were Nebraska were able to get via the walk-on and not count against their scholarship limits. And this is a big one today with Ezra Miller. So huge kudos to Nebraska staff for able to, uh, to get him to come over and You know in a short short distance away from his home in
1: iowa to uh to come be a husker you know and and he's you mentioned he is from the state of iowa was battling depression Uh, that happens to a lot of young folks when they leave the home for the first time and go to be on a college campus you have to fight through that plus he had i'm sure the added pressure of being a guy from the state the pressure was hey you're the next great offensive lineman for iowa maybe you need to lift that pressure off your shoulders Get a fresh start somewhere else. He said when he put his name in the transfer portal, he was hearing from some FCS schools, some lower division one. But he said Nebraska was kind of right there because Nebraska recruited him pretty heavy out of high school even though he committed to Iowa as a sophomore. Nebraska made it known, we like you. If something ever happens there, keep us in mind, he did. And that relationship pays off with him coming here. I'm not overly worried about whether he's cleared to play this year or not. Um, you just want him to get integrated in the program, feel comfortable, get better. Um, I think Nebraska's in a pretty good stead with what they have coming back on the offensive line. I, I'm not worried about that at this point in time. You're right. You never know what the is going to do in that thing. But I just like the fact that here is a kid that was a quality player and leaving – heck, let's be honest, leaving one of your rivals to come to you. And so <laughs> it's kind of a double whammy. You love the fact that you – You know, you took something away from Iowa, even though he left that program, and you add him to your room. But you're right about pointing out all those transfers that have come to Nebraska in the last couple of months, leaving major college programs to come be a part of this thing in Lincoln. It can only add to Nebraska's depth, something we talked about last night, that you're starting to see position by position, Nebraska building the kind of depth that you have to have if you want to be a contender in this league. And for the last couple of years, that just wasn't the case. Nebraska didn't have have enough depth at a lot of spots. Nebraska is not perfect yet. They don't have all the bases covered uh, with this football program, but I see a lot more now that I feel like are in good, good standing than they were 12 months ago as we entered the 2019 football season. I want to go to the captain talk a little bit because we touched on it last night, and you look at offense, and I don't think there's any doubt Adrian Martinez is going to be the captain of the offense. Uh, usually you go two on each side. You end up with going with four. I, I, got to believe one of those other uh, one of those senior tackles. Farniak was a tackle, not going to be a guard. Either Farniak or Hymas, probably the other one on the offensive side of the ball. But on defense, it's open for discussion. But I think Cam Tater-Britt is an obvious guy to be a captain for this football team on that side of the ball. And then you can throw a bunch of names out there. Maybe it's a Ben Stilley, who's a, a multi-year player on the long the defensive line who now is a, a senior up front for that team and has been a guy that I think the coaches feel like has been a bit of a rock for them at that position. Uh, so I, maybe it's a Colin Miller, a guy who just works his tail off all the time and loves to play football, and it bothers him when things don't go well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what this comes down to when they vote for these captains later on in the summer. Yeah, well, when we – kind of
2: touched on this yesterday i i I said i kind of used the same thing i did with mo berry you know you can pretty much get that sewing machine ready with the c on it for cam taylor britt's jersey the one thing that we should point out too greg when talking about captains is um the staff and, and this team isn't afraid to put underclassmen with the c i mean before we've seen just seniors be ones that that were recognized and uh and ones that bared that responsibility but That's definitely not the case. Two of those guys are already back. You know, we mentioned Farniaca martinez There's 50% of what your captains were a year ago. Uh, Another one was a guy that we already talked about, Darian Daniels, and the other one, the name we just brought up, and Mo Berry. You know, you knew Mo was going to be a captain the way that he handled himself, and I don't think... Cam Taylor Britt is ent- entirely dissimilar than Mo. I think Mo had a little bit of the tenure, a little bit of the longevity on his side as opposed to Cam. But uh, in terms of passion, in terms of uh, buy-in factor, in terms of all those things that you know you want to see in a captain, Cam Taylor Britt possesses a lot of those, and and I think he is a pretty obvious candidate as well. It'll be uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what where else they go. But one thing's for sure, you know, you have to be pretty highly thought of by your teammates to be to be voted a captain, and a lot of times those guys aren't necessarily ones that uh, our stars on Saturdays. There, you know, there are other guys that that step up in other ways. Most of the time, they are guys that that produce and um, you know come in and, and do the right things off the field. But more important, I think Ben Stilley's in that conversation, and you know, I, Colin Miller, I think, is a good pick too. And you know, I wouldn't put it past a guy like Deontay Williams who has you know found his voice a little bit more and uh, is going to be leaned on pretty heavily in that back end. That's that's a name that we seem to forget about sometimes because of his injury. But he was poised to have a monster season last year, and I think he's going to come back even hungrier this year. I think you've got a few candidates on that side of the ball that would be good representatives of the C. Let me throw you a wild one and see if you think it's even possible. Damian Jackson. That's kind of the first name that popped in my head when I said you have to do things right and you can lead in other ways other than on the field. That's that's who I was leading to. Um, I mean, I remember, Greg, Coach Frost's first few months on campus uh, a chat I had with Luke Gifford in the summer. It was in July sometime, and 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 we were still pretty unclear on who the leaders of that football team were going to be with the new staff after Mike Riley was let go and Coach Frost came in. There was a lot of responsibility on those players, and you might even remember this in, in the interview, but Luke Gifford, who, like, like everybody else uh, in that group that we're talking about right now, was a captain, but the first guy he mentioned of leadership was Damian Jackson, Uh, When when we had that conversation, I think um, Coach Duvall leaned on him super heavily when it came time to buckle down in the weight room and make sure guys were showing up. And the voluntary uh, workouts, everybody was there. And everybody was, you know, rowing in the right direction. I think uh, that's a guy that's built up so much respect amongst his teammates. And even here in the fan base, we don't watch Damian Jackson play too much on Saturdays, but almost everybody that follows the team knows who he is. And I think that says a lot about uh, number one, what type of person he is, but even what type of teammate that Damian Jackson
1: is. Apparently he crushed it in paintball. And I'm not no surprised. Way. <laughs> not surprised. Let's uh, head to the phones before we head to our first break. Let's run out to the panhandle. Scott's bluff. Charlie, welcome to Sports Nightly.
3: Hey, are you sure you want to anoint uh Adrian Martinez as a as a captain? He might be in a quarterback battle and I think I would like to see uh, two or three captains from that offensive line. Let the skilled players uh, make plays, but but let your leaders be on that offensive line. That's all I got. I'll listen off the air.
2: I mean, I, I think that kind of goes back to a little bit of what we said. It's not necessarily just your best players. They have to have the right – Makeup, mentality, voice, leadership style, characteristics that make a good captain. You can't just say, "Well, these are our best players." You're going to put the C on. They they have to represent that C. Um, and the best example I can give you uh, about Adrian Martinez being a captain and why, as long as he's a Husker, he's a captain for me. And and I wish everybody had the opportunity to see what I saw after that Colorado game. Um, that was a that was a pretty Intense locker room after the game and we had to kind of navigate through that locker room to get to our post game setup and There was a lot of hurt Huskers in that locker room. Adrian Martinez went to every single one of his teammates that he walked by Told him that I had I have your back I will fight for you. You know, it just gave him all a little pep talk and That's something that comes within you. That's something that comes within it being a competitor uh, People can pick apart the games that you feel like he did or did not play well in last year, and I know he didn't live up to the standards that everyone's talking about, and he may very well may be in a quarterback competition next next season, but that's the guy that I want representing my football team that's the guy that 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 goes the extra mile when he himself probably felt as responsible if not more responsible for that loss than anybody else but he still had it within himself to go to all of his teammates offense defense starter non-starter whatever put his hand on their head and give them each a little word of encouragement that doesn't come from everybody so I wish you could have seen that, and I wish more fans could have seen that because that's the reason why Adrian Martinez was voted a captain because
1: of things like that. That's Ben has such a great unique perspective of this you have it more than i do because you're down there you're on that sideline you're seeing what's going on when the guys come off the field you see the interaction between teammates between coaches and and players you you have a much much better feel for that than i do And, and i'm around the program a lot but you have a better feel for that than i do and so Fans, you'd be wise to listen to Ben because he he's right there. He's looking in their eyes. He's hearing the emotion come out of their mouth when they come off the sideline. And you saw a thing with Adrian there that you're right. Nobody else could have seen that unless you have the role that you have. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to, to, to relay it, too.
2: You know, it's almost one of those things that you kind of got to see for yourself um you know you got to kind of you you just have you have to have your own perspective I mean I I can tell you what I see but it's one thing to actually witness it yourself um and and when you actually see and, and and not just see but feel and Greg you've been in those locker rooms after a tough loss or after like you feel the emotion of those players like you feel almost as though you played in that game when you see the just physically the toll that it takes on their bodies and then how the emotional side of it. I mean, Mo Berry was literally in tears and couldn't speak after that game at Colorado, if we're going to stick there for a second. And it just, it just takes so much out of these players. It takes a special kind of, of person to want that responsibility. And, and Adrian is the kind of guy that wants that responsibility. And, and like I've said, you I mean I've seen too much of him on the field I've been around him enough off the field to know what kind of person he is. And if, the, if there's someone better that represents the C on the team, then they deserve it and they should have it. But for my money and from what I've seen, Adrian Martinez is a captain of the, football, of the football team. Whether he's performing at an all-conference level or not, that's a guy that, that you want to count on when times are tough.
3: Husker Huddle presented by SAP Brothers, who say, welcome be our guest. Today, our special guest is Darian Daniels, former Husker defensive lineman, current NFL defensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers. We're very excited to catch up with him today and see how his journey through Nebraska being a transfer and now his journey into the NFL is going. Darian, how you doing, my friend?
4: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good.
3: Awesome, man. Well, again, we, we really appreciate you joining us because you have a unique story. Um, you have a unique story of how you got to Nebraska, and I'm sure you have some unique experiences for Nebraska. So let's start with uh, one of the easier ones. Why Nebraska? Grad transfer from Ohio or Oklahoma State. Like, what was the draw to come here and play for the Big Red?
4: Uh, it was really my brother. Uh, my brother, he kind of... He planted that seed in my head um, after my injury, and kind of, you know, talked to me and, and um, really kind of persuaded me to make the decision. Um, but I do remember um, going to the spring game in 2018, and I remember just being there, looking around, and I got a, I got a really good vibe um, from the stadium, from the whole atmosphere and whatnot. So when it, when I did get hurt and my brother did um, plant that seed in my head, it made it a lot easier to make the decision. Absolutely. I mean, you were able to come here and
3: make an instant impact, Darren. I mean, voted team captain as a grad transfer in a year two of a program that's in a rebuild phase, speaks volumes to your character, speaks volumes to your play. What was that such an easy transition for you to step into that leadership role being a new guy? Was it hard? Was it easy for you? I mean, you made it seem pretty easy.
4: Uh, you know, nothing's ever easy. It was just really, um, I would say it was just me being myself. Uh, I'm always, Trying to do more, um, adding more to my plate to, to become a better player, and I think that's just something that I, I I did that caught everybody's attention. I really, I really did my best to hold all of my teammates accountable and did my best to push everybody to be the best version of themselves. And just me being me doing that, I think it that's what uh, did it for everybody else to make them to vote for me.
3: Absolutely, and as far as this defensive line um, coming, Darren, you you filled a pivotal role, which is that nose guard in that three-four system. Your brother looks primed to take over that spot next year. Um, but who are some other guys that you're excited for that you'd only got one year of experience with, but you saw the growth and maybe the potential for some of these guys moving forward in Scott Frost's system here?
4: Uh, I don't know for a fact, Philly next year is going to be a, a double-digit sack. Uh, he's going to have double-digit sack, uh, double-digit sack number. Um, so I'm already knowing what he's gonna do with the, with the reps that he gets um, I'm excited to see uh, DeAndre uh, just as far as how hard he works I I'm, I'm just being able to practice with him he's just as um, elusive as the twins and he can he can move very well so I'm excited to see him uh, Keem when he came in uh, he, he kind of started out pretty slow but once he got once the ball got to rolling he, he brought it into the system and I think he's finally in a position to where he's able to come in and really really contribute. And then also um, Casey Rogers. he's just somebody who, who wants to do the dirt work. He just wants to be on the field and do the dirt work, do the stuff that nobody wants to do. And he's willing to do anything he can to help the team. So those are, those are some people I'm, I'm looking forward to.
3: Oh, that's awesome, man. Good to hear some insight, especially from guys are right there in the room. Um, now that you've been out in Nebraska now for going about five, six months, have you had a chance to look back and and really, I mean, it was probably a pretty quick whirlwind. I mean, you were in and out of here pretty quick, but is there some unique moments maybe off the field stuff or on the field stuff that you'll really treasure and hold on to as you leave Nebraska.
4: Um, I want to say uh, the program, uh, when we did the program, that was something I, that was completely new to me, something I've never done before, something I really wasn't looking forward to, and something I'm, I'm not gonna lie, something I wasn't excited to do during the time. Um, ju- but um, explain before you before and, you keep going here. Explain before, to
3: people what the program
4: is, because I've done it. I know uh, what it is. Yeah. Um. So the program is kind of like this um, team bonding, uh, leadership training where they bring in um veterans to come in and, and put us diff- difficult tasks that we have to um like put our heads together and they give us very strict instructions and we don't do things right, you know, we got to start all over. So it was, it's like it was like a program. It was like a um. It was like something that we did to uh, that put us through some challenges and kind of made us, I say, uh, better teammates. It put us through a hard situation. So, like for example, they had us waking up really early in the morning and we had to be in lines at like five, we had to be in perfect lines at five o'clock. They made us do um, marine workouts. We had to do uh, whether like go to a lake, um, blow up uh, blow up boats and. Take the bows, roll them across the lake and back. Things like that. We had to do up downs in the sand with like wet clothes. It was it was just a lot of different, a lot of different and difficult things that we had to do. And uh, even though I didn't enjoy it, I knew it was um, necessary. And I and I feel like it really benefited us a lot.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's one of those things that really bonds you as a team going through difficult tasks. And uh, I think that it, that helps when the bullets are flying in the regular season there. Um, again, I'm Jeremiah Sturls. Husker Huddle here is presented by SAP Brothers. At SAP Brothers, our top priority is to keep guests and teammates safe. SAP Brothers is offering full service at the pump as our nation relies now more than ever on drivers and farmers to provide essentials to our communities. SAP Brothers is uh, committed to serving you. Darian, I want to shift a little bit here from Huskers to the NFL now. New sights for you, new paths for you, dreams coming true for you um 49ers man you got to be excited about that tell us how that all opportunity on draft day went down and then we'll circle back to kind of the pre-draft stuff before then
4: yeah so um i want to say throughout the whole process um i kept hearing i was i was roughly going to go around the uh the i want to say fifth, uh, fourth to sixth round I, though i was in between them uh those rounds right there so as the draft uh went on i remember uh going through the whole fifth round and not, not getting my name called. And then Coach K from uh, 49ers, he called me. He was kind of confused. He, he told me he he wasn't for sure why I was still on the board. And we had the conversation. He was saying had things had things worked out in a way where I wouldn't get my name called if I would consider um, being a 49er. And I was like, of course. So he said he would contact me again later and that he would have their people contact my agent. And, and throughout the course of um, – you know the course of the draft, everything was going on. My agent he was doing his job, um, you know, contacting people and, and talking to different um, organizations. And I know um, right when the uh, right when the draft ended, I remember I talked to my agent. We sat down and he kind of um, told me the teams um, what they were offering and asked me my thoughts on it. And then I remember sitting down and actually talking to Coach K. He he laid out the whole plan for me, uh, everything that he saw in me. What he saw me, uh, what he saw for me in the future, and uh, I believed it, and I told him I was like, I told my agent I'm like, I think this is the this is the best choice for me.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It means so much about. I remember that going through that conversation with my agent and just like how much it is really you got to break down the roster. And there's so much more to look at than people like to look at like, oh, the signing bonus, this, this, and this. It's like, no, it's much more about the roster situation, the scheme fit. And I think that you're in a great spot up there with that scheme up there. Kyle Shanahan and that crew is doing a great job. So let's go back to before the draft. Where, where did you go train? How was the training? How was, did you, you went to the senior bowl, correct? I did. Yeah, let, let's start the Senior Bowl. How was that experience and how was your whole experience leading up to the draft? I know it's very, very difficult. It's a rigorous process. I'd be interested to see your take on that.
4: Yeah, so it was, the Senior Bowl, it was fun. It was fun. It was, uh, one thing i I say I really enjoyed was um, they had us doing different events. We had a, a football card signing. I think that was really fun. Um, did, I did, we did events for some uh, children. We went to elementary schools and, and um, talked and hung out with some of the kids. At, at, uh, some kids there, mm. and then we had a big Mardi Gras parade. That was that was real fun, um, and just being able to be out there with a lot of the other guys, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to guys from different schools, guys I played against, guys that I wanted to play against, and just you know talk football, talk life, and just laugh and really enjoy the position of life that we were in. And even like on the field, things were fun, um, learning things from. NFL coaches being able to go out there and just put on the pads one last time as a as a collegiate athlete, I think, and I think that it was it was really fun, and I think that it was worth the time.
3: That's awesome. So you finish up with the Senior Bowl, you move into training. Um, where did you go train for the NFL Combine?
4: Yeah, I was out in California. I was in Westlake, California. Uh, I was training with uh, Trevelle Gaines at his uh, facility, Athletic Gaines.
3: Awesome. And then so you train there, go to the combine. How was that experience for you? I was actually at the combine, got to meet your agents, very nice individuals. They had glowing things to say about you, which doesn't surprise me. Um, but uh, how was that experience? Because that's a that's a grinder, man.
4: It, I want to say it was very uh, tedious, just the, just the, um, the medical. I think the whole medical situation, it was very tedious uh, The you know, the the stuff that everybody comes to watch, you know, the on the field stuff, the bench press, all that, all that was pretty cool. The interviews they were pretty cool. I didn't get any difficult questions. Every I'm everything you see for me is 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 it's out there. You know I don't have any um, bad history uh, as far as like with the law enforcement. So um, a lot of our my conversations was strictly football, uh, and I, that, I think that helped me out a lot. And also just um, just being out there, I, you know, I was out there with the David Twins. I seen Lamar out there, so it was fun being able to see um, my teammates and just. I want to say the overall experience, it was it was really cool outside of the uh, the medical, the physicals, mm-hmm. and being in the hospital for up to 10 hours the whole week. I thought that was, outside of that, everything goes pretty good.
3: Yeah, man. It's the biggest job interview and the biggest test, and they just try and break you down before you got to go work out. Well, Darian, before we let you go here, man, I just want to say thank you so much again for joining us here on Husker Huddle. Um, Is there anything else as you lead into the NFL this year or you lead into your career here that you have some expectations for yourself? And then lastly, I need your last take on what to take from Scott Frost in year three.
4: All right. um, I'm just really excited. I'm really excited going into this year. As far as expectations, I just expect to um, go in and, and, and make an impact in any way I can to be able, like being able to sign free agency, just being able to go in and, and make an impact anywhere that I can to, to make Coach want to keep me around as long as possible. Um, that's that, that's the only thing I expect to do and that's what I'm, that's my goal right now. And uh, what, was the, what was the last thing?
3: Um, just some expectations for us here, not expectations, some thoughts on Scott Frost's year three program going into year three here.
4: I think this is the year everything clicks uh, for Coach Frost and, and company. Um, the first two years, it was really um, kind of the players were, were trying to figure everything out. And Coach is trying to get his, his style of players in. And I feel as if the guys that are in there, they understand what it takes now. Um, they've been a part of a losing program for a long time. And even even this past year, I can tell that that it's starting the switch in their head is, is turned around from, like, I'm tired of losing. Now we got to do something about it. They know that we can win. Now it's time to win instead of just hoping that we could win. And a lot of guys that got coming in, I feel like there's a lot of talent. Even guys that are there right now, I feel like there's a lot of talent on the team still. And I trust Coach Ross, I trust the whole coaching staff, I trust the supporting staff, and I know the players are hungry. And I feel like this year is the year that, uh, you know, things things start to click, and I feel like they're going to have one of the best years um, the past decade, honestly.
3: Well, Darren there is no doubt in my mind why you got chose captain. You are very, very well-spoken. You are very supportive. You seem like a great teammate. I would have loved to got a chance to play with you on the gridiron there, man. But I know you got great success coming up for you here in the NFL when you start your career here with the 49ers, whenever that may start. So stay ready, man, and we'll be really excited here in Husker Nation to watch you in your career.
4: All right, I appreciate it. Thank you.
3: Absolutely, man. Take care of yourself.
0: Time for Famous Dave's face-off. At the face-off. Famous Dave's America's favorite barbecue offers award-winning, mouth-watering, house-smoked barbecue for pickup, curbside, or delivery. Order three ways online at famousdaves.com, through the Famous Dave's app, or call your nearest location in Lincoln, Omaha, or Bellevue. Famous Dave's, locally and veteran-owned.
3: Let's go.
1: Mano a mono. you me, right here, right now.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Brett Whitty. Well, we didn't
5: know if we'd ever see this day, but we are tied. Greg and Ben are 6-all through 12 editions of Famous Dave's Face-Off. Ben with the impressive win last week, and although we didn't mention this at the end, Greg, you actually outscored Ben last week. You got 8 correct answers. Ben only had 5, but... He ended up winning 4-2, to two, which is kind of weird, but that's how it worked out. Yeah. Steel City, baby. That's you right. did. A couple of them. Exactly. Well, we start. Let's jump in. And question one, I will tell you, is a little bit difficult, but it gets uh. easier from here. So it won't be as difficult <laughs> as last week. I, I can promise you that. All right. So question number one. Who are the top four career point scorers in Husker football history, including kickers? Ben. Ben by The closest margin we've ever seen. Alex Henry. Show me Alex Henry. Yes, he is actually number one with 397 career points scored. Do you want to pass or play? I'll play it. Okay. Drew Brown. Show me Drew Brown. Okay, that one was actually impressive. I didn't know if you would get that one or not. (laughs) Well, he he just kicked forever. I know, yeah. (laughs) Um, Try his brother Chris Brown. How about his brother Chris Brown? Chris with a K. That's right. Uh, I don't think this one is a kicker. Give me Johnny Rogers. Show me Johnny Rogers. The jet is not on there. That's one strike. How about Taylor Martinez? T-Magic. Is it T-Magic? It is not. So you've got we one strike know. left. Too many injuries. Bad toe. <laughs> Turf toe. Eric Crouch. Show me Eric Crouch. That is correct. Wow. wow, that was that was impressive. I didn't know if you'd be able to get all four of those, but you did Only it. Only one strike, well right? Yeah, two strikes, but two still strikes. Two strikes. Ooh, wow. Okay. Impressive. He pulled that one out. Ben Greg, up, what'd you,
2: what, what would you have got out of that? All of them. Yeah. Okay.
1: Oh. Wrote it down right there. It, wrote them down right there. It came down <laughs> to, the, to the
5: to the buzzin, and that was the closest buzz in that we've had. Like I, that was basically a tie. But I heard Ben by a.
2: Terror. I heard Ben too.
5: Okay.
6: <laughs> All right. Well, Ben won that first one. Now moving on to question number two. Name the four women's volleyball teams with the most national championships. Ben. Ben, you're in. How about Stanford? Show me Stanford. All right, got it. How many more are there? There There are three more. All right, I'll play it. All right, you're gonna play it. You got Stanford, by the way, they are number one with nine overall. How about Penn State? Do we have Penn State on the board? We sure do. They are number two at seven overall. Two left. Three strikes remaining. UCLA. Can we get UCLA, please? Wow. Ben is rolling right now, folks. All right, just one left now. How about Hawaii? Hawaii. Alright, give me Hawaii. Oh. Incorrect. Not, not a bad guess. They had a good run there. And they're, they're always solid. Um, give me Washington. Alright, do we have Washington up there? Oh. We do not. Oh, wow. Started off hot, started to simmer down a little. Oh, One boy. strike left. You got the lowest with UCLA at four, so
2: trying to think if there's like any obvious ones that I'm missing. Yeah. I feel like I got most of the
4: blue bloods.
2: Mm. How
6: about Texas? All right. Final guess, Texas. It is not Tejas. Moves over to Greg now for the steal. And he's guessed. Give me the ones he got right. He got Stanford, Penn State, and UCLA. How about Nebraska? All right. Do we have Nebraska for the steal? Oh, my God. <laughs> we, we sure do. And that would fall into the category of obvious ones that you're missing. Ben, We've had any- five. In- we have five. Case. I, case. We you're do. Yep. I, it just it just oh, now realized
2: body. as soon as you said that.
6: Uh, yeah. Brett, you gave it away. Four.
2: As soon as you, you said they had.
1: four, That should away? have been the. You said, well, you got the lowest one with four. I'm like, well, where? well yeah, I, 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 it? I usually uh, I
6: usually give the, the totals out.
5: It's really that should have been the giveaway because I, I knew we had I five. Really, as soon as yeah, you I did said not that. think he
6: would. I did not think you were going to miss Nebraska.
5: It's really unfortunate <laughs> that we were on that we're on video Oof. for this because I couldn't even say anything without laughing. I, I know. Well, yeah. If, if, I mean it, well,
2: yeah. As soon as you ahead, as
5: soon as you didn't say Nebraska with your fourth guess, I knew that you were <laughs> overlooking them, and especially when Brett said that yeah. UCLA I, had four. It I didn't. Was like, it didn't click.
2: It didn't oh. click.
5: That he said, that because he, he, <laughs> yeah. he said four until
2: after.
1: When he said that, Josh, I thought, oh, he, that that's it right there. He yeah, laid, see, laid it the, to him.
5: These are the weeks that I'm glad I'm not on video because right. I, I would have given that away so, so quickly. Yep. All right. Question number three is we're now tied 1-1. What are the five college football teams with the best winning percentage since the year 2000? Greg. Ben. Ooh, Greg in first. Woo. Let's go Alabama. Show me Alabama. They are actually number five, believe it or not, yeah, with a seventy-six point three huh. percentage. So
1: there's five. You want the top five? Top five. So there's oh, four I'll, left. I'm you, playing. Okay. Aggressive. Give me, give me Ohio State. Show me Ohio State.
5: They are number two with an eighty-three point four winning percentage. Since when? I, 2000, 2000, the year 2000, the 2000 season. All right, how about Clemson? Show me Clemson. Oh. They're just outside not, the top five. I think they're number seven, yeah, not actually. A bad guess. That is a really good guess, obviously. yeah. Oklahoma. Show me Oklahoma. They are number three, 81.7. Um, Notre Dame. How about Notre Dame? It's incorrect. I'm not well, sure where they're at, but they're, I, I think have, they're in the top ten. But So I have, I have two strikes. You have two strikes and you still have two left to get. It's a tough one. Um...
1: I don't think this is Rabbit, I'm gonna go USC. Show me USC.
5: So it goes over to Ben for the steal. Again, Ben. Greg guessed Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Alabama. Those are two, three, and five. So we're looking for one or four. Okay. (laughs) I got
2: it between two. Potentially three. I and I don't think that th- I don't think it's Texas. Okay. Um, think out loud here.
6: It's a safe space.
5: Can, since you already said the percentages, mm. can you give me the percentages again? Dang it. The percentage of Ohio Ohio State's number two, and they're at eighty eighty three point four. The number one team is one tenth of a percentage ahead what of them. What was ben. Bama's? Alabama was 76.3%. So I'm looking for at least 76%. Yes.
2: Okay. Dang it. Just thought of Man, em. I got it between two. I got it between LSU and
5: Michigan. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe both of those teams are. Give me the there. Bayou Bengals. Show me LSU for the steal. Was Oregon one of the other ones? They weren't. The number one winning percentage team in college football, FBS, is Boise State since the year (laughs) 2000. (laughs)
6: 83.5%. You could have given me 50 guesses. I know. That
5: one, one was... Tricky for sure.
6: Now that they're a bad team, you just don't think they're very out of sight, out of mind.
5: Right, exactly.
2: Man, what I had, I had Notre Dame and USC on my list that I both (laughs) I crossed them both off. Crossed them off, (laughs) then. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's
6: exactly what I did. There you go. Ben goes up two one there on the seal. Question number four: Which four major league baseball pitchers have the most all-time postseason wins? Ben. Okay. I heard Ben. Kurt Schilling. All right, show me Kurt Schilling. He's not up there, Greg. Bob Gibson. Do we have Bob Gibson up there? We do not.
2: Back over to Ben. Man, I know he was pretty bad in the playoffs there for a while, but give me Greg
5: Maddox. Greg Maddox for the play. No. No. Greg Maddox was was very this. very close. He was, uh, I think, like number five, so <laughs> or five yeah. or six. All right, let's give it another try here. Uh, Greg, if you get this wrong, I will give you guys a clue. The, the pressure has to. get... All right, Max Scherzer. Here we go. Oh, oh, no, no. Okay. All right, here's the Uh-oh. here's the Uh-oh. clue. They were all these names are played in the 90s or more recent than that. Oh, okay, okay, that helps. Roger Clemens. Go. All right, give me Roger
6: Clemens. Oh, dang. Roger Clemens is not in their most all-time postseason wins. Holy crap. Back over to Greg. <laughs> this is Andy, not an easy. It's, yeah. Andy, it's not, Andy Pettit. That's a Andy good guess. Andy Pettit. All right, guess. All right, that's a good guess. That's a great guess. Yes, Greg, you're playing. He, you know, and, he is number one, and he is number one at 19. Yeah, he so. is, he's far and away the leader. That's a so, really good
2: really good guess.
6: All right,
5: so how many more do I need? Three. Just three more. <laughs>
6: three strikes. You should get ten, but we're giving you three.
5: And again, all these guys played in the 90s or yeah, more recently. So. Because of the wild
1: card games and add more exactly, opportunities. Exactly, yep. Yeah, I thought about that before I threw Gibson out there. Uh, how about Justin Verlander? Is right, uh, Justin Verlander up there? He is. The, you, the mammoth. You, the
6: book ended it now. Fiend. He is he's got 14.
1: 2 left. Oh. So you got to think of franchises that were good. How about Pedro Martinez? All right, give me Pedro
5: Martinez. That's he has a strike.
6: Yep, I was
1: thinking right. he that, pitched for the Expos and the Red Sox. Yes,
5: you're going in the right direction. And he he is a guy that does have a lot of postseason wins. He just mm-hmm. he didn't pitch the greatest in the postseason either. Sometimes yeah. he struggled. Gotcha.
6: How about Madison Bumgarner? Do we have Madison Bumgarner up there? That's a really good guess. We don't. Yeah, that's. He's got to be and probably top ten, I would assume. Yeah, the Giants had all those playoff right. runs with him. Yeah, uh, two left, two strikes. Can you do it? No. And <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you don't have to
1: say it. <laughs> um, God, I can't believe Kurt's, Ben's Kurt Schilling was a good, good, a really good guess. Yeah. Um, bloody suck.
2: Well I hope you guess one of the three on my list and it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Gimme uh give me Tom Glavin. Alright, give me Tom
6: Glavin as Greg said.
5: Cool. So now just one left. That was a hell of a Was Mary. he one of the ones on your list, Ben? He was not. Oh. Alright. Well he
6: was good tied guess. with Justin Verlander at fourteen, so now you're good, you're, good guess. You're looking for number two. Uh,
1: number two now. Uh, Just trying to think of guys who may have been in the playoffs a bunch. That's yeah, what you gotta got. I know. Um, I'm trying to think of good
6: teams is tough, too. Yes. This is one of the harder uh, questions it, I would say we've asked.
1: Yes. It's it difficult. Is. Yeah, this one's hard. Um, kind of a wild one here, but John Lester. All right. Do we have John Lester? You oh, no, got yeah. the first part
5: right. Wait, what? What? Wait! Don't say that. (laughs) All right, Ben, over to you. Don't listen to what Brad said. That's a clue. Well, I don't think one of my answers
2: is correct because he didn't pitch enough in the '90s. That's Nolan Ryan because he was mostly late '80s. I think he last pitched in what, like '94, '93 or '94. So that would disqualify him. He had longevity. So that was the other guy. The other guy. That I was thinking of was a Yankee and Mike Musina. He's on my list. Okay. And the other third third guy on my list was the third guy in that Braves rotation and John Smoltz. All right. Two that I I know they both went into the bullpen at some point, too. Correct. Correct. Which so that's ex- going to factor... It doesn't exclude them from getting wins, it, though. It doesn't, Ooh. but it's it's a different dynamic than just starting. Correct. Which two win in the
6: bullpen? Mussina and Smoltz both. Okay. I, I, I don't know Mussina, honestly, like very well by name. The other two I do.
5: He was just on a lot of those Yankees teams. He was with the Orioles first, which they weren't in a lot of playoffs. Yeah,
6: d- I do definitely can't name a lot of old Orioles players.
2: <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to say Smoltz for this reason and this reason only because the Braves won the division for, like, 13 straight years, and so they were just in the playoffs a ton. I'm going to go say Smoltz. All right, Ben, for back-to-back steals, John Smoltz.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's up there. Did you did you think did you think of him after Glavin? I, I, no, I well I, I thought I was worried about the bullpen. I didn't know how long he finished his career in the bullpen. Well yeah. that's what scared Man, me. Away I did with all the hard work too. there. I did all the it, hard you work in it. Did. The fact that
6: you
5: got Glavin, that's pretty impressive. Because yes. Glavin tipped me to Smoltz immediately. Yep. Really? Okay. All right, moving on to question five, Ben with a three to one lead. Which four men have won the most tennis grand slam single titles? Greg. Greg first. <laughs> Roger Federer. Show me Roger Federer. He is number one with 20. Rafael Nadal. Yes, he's playing. <laughs> Nadal. <laughs> <Good Yeah. idea. laughs> Greg's
1: going for this one. Novak <laughs> Djokovic. How about Djokovic? Wow.
5: All right. Let the applause run out, Greg. <laughs>
1: Pete right. Sampras. Pete Sampras. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> and he just, Did you no.
5: just watch a tennis tournament?
1: That Tired the of these steals by
5: Ben.
6: <laughs> well, Clear, that clear was, the category then. All right, you That was did. a heavy-handed play was, right there. I wouldn't have got, I wouldn't have wow. got that right. So, not <laughs> that wasn't up your alley, Ben. That. You're not no. okay. Four zero no
5: sweep. On to question six.
6: Well, the funny thing is, by <laughs> sell, you actually probably would have gotten one of that. <laughs> that right. <laughs> no, nope, right. out well, on tennis. <laughs> question number six here. Name the top four NFL players in career sacks. Ben. Right. Ooh, I heard Ben first. Yep reggie white all right show me reggie white you got him you want to pass your play i'll play it okay okay lawrence taylor is lawrence taylor on the board whoa strike one whoa that shocked you all right it did yeah he's he's probably up there he's probably got to be top 10 top 15.
2: um Boy, One now that has me kind of like... He Rattled here. Are they all yeah. recent players now, or what? Um, no, no. How about J.J. Watt?
6: All right, show me J.J. Watt. He's not up there. Dang. If he hadn't been hurt so much, I would assume he'd be up there.
2: Okay. Um... Deacon Jones,
6: Deacon Jones. No, Deacon Jones, and it goes over to Greg, who's got three options. Your chance to steal.
1: Did you have? You haven't gotten strike three, have you? Yeah, that was three strikes. That was three strikes. Greg says he should Lawrence Taylor Watt and yeah Deacon. Taylor yeah. Watt and Deacon, yeah.
2: How's LT not on there? Come on. I know, I know. That seems wrong. <laughs> Wait, do,
6: we, do we know where he's at off the top? I don't know off the top of so, my head, no. Okay. The only one on the board is Reggie White. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And he comes in at number two. How about Bruce Smith? All right, That's show me one. Bruce Smith for the steal and a little payback. You got you got it. Number one, he's got two hundred. Reggie White had 198. The other two were Kevin Green with 160. Julius Peppers had 159 Uh and a half.
5: All right. He's played forever. Go to question number seven for the first time in a while. And this is not a wild one like the SNBL one we asked before. I think this one will be pretty (laughs) even. So question number seven, the deciding factor. Who were the first five BCS national champions in college football? Greg Ben. Greg in first. Nebraska. Show me Nebraska. Oh. Trying to ride that wave. Miami. How about Miami? <laughs> Correct. They were in 2001. Pass it once. Play. I'm two. playing. Okay. USC. How about USC?
2: <laughs> Wait, that... You said the first
5: five? First five BCS <laughs> national champions in college football. And Miami was in friends. 01? Miami was in 01. And USC was not on there? Correct. Are you frazzled again? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, just one strike.
2: That's are so doing was- Okay. Well, now I don't know what
5: direction it to go. It started after, you know, the BCS National <laughs> Championship started after they did, you know, the polls to decide, the AP and coaches poll. They did one national champion decided by the BCS. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma. How about Oklahoma?
2: <laughs> yes.
5: They were in 2000, so you got in 2000 Kay. and 2001. So that was, what that, uh, 2000 is where I wanted to go next. Hmm. Give me Texas. How about Texas? Texas. <laughs>
6: Hmm.
2: That's surprising. I'm blanking
5: who won it in 0-2. Ohio State. How about Ohio State? Obviously, you weren't <laughs> blanking for too long. They won
2: it in 0-2. <laughs> okay. so, yeah,
5: the was short blank. But the Segit so can. Uh,
2: the bowl game that happened the next year is where I'm messing up. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so 2012 season, mm-hmm. the, the national championship was in 2013.
5: So, how many more do I have? You have 2 left. How many strikes? 2 strikes. 2 strikes. Greg waiting in the wings. Yeah, I wonder if he's just got it. I got it between I, I got it between two. I don't know which
2: one to guess first. Um, <laughs> let Greg know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: mhm. Mhm.
5: I think Greg's feeling confident No, I'm not Oh, okay <laughs> No, okay, okay I-, I thought you were feeling good <laughs> Okay, I got Miami, Oklahoma Yep Oklahoma in 2000, Miami 2001, Ohio State not 2002, USC. and I'm not USC. It blows me away that I, that's this not will probably correct. this would give it away. So I won't tell you if it's the teams come before or after those mm-hmm. that we mentioned. But those are the years 2000, 2001, sure. 2002 seasons. Buckeyes were there, correct? That was my last. Yes, that was 2002. Answer. Okay, I know.
2: I know LSU won, won 111 right in between there. So I'm saying LSU.
5: How about LSU? Oh. Damn. All right. So, Greg, for the steal Woo. and the win of the week. This God. is so close. This is so close.
2: <laughs> if it's this team, I'm going to be so mad, and I think that oh, it is. Oh boy.
1: This is tough. This is not an easy. It's not easy. No. Easy go here. He took um, kind of
6: the, the couple easy ones.
1: Yeah, he did. Um I'm not confident at all. I, I'm going to go Florida State, but I'm not real confident. Florida State. Florida State for the steal and the win of the week. <laughs> right. They won it in 1999.
5: The initial champion was Tennessee in 1998. So it started okay. in 98, the year after that, Nebraska's 97. That was the team
2: because that was Peter Warwick's <laughs> team in 99. They beat Virginia
5: Tech. Yep.
1: That wow. been, right. My it other, my other guess was there. Tennessee, I, but I wasn't sure it started in 98. I couldn't you remember if it was the first year or not. But that was an yeah.
5: impressive comeback, Greg. Right? You got the, you ran the yeah. category, the tennis category. Getting that got you back on. Getting sh- two stolen then, from you as well. Yeah,
1: t- Bruce Smith. Yep. Wow. Crying about steals, and yet here he is with the steals. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well done, good stuff, guys. And I know your your clock, your world's been turned upside down with the arrival of Kennedy. But this hit me today, Ben. That we are ten days from the Fourth of July. Does that even <laughs> seem possible? It's it's
2: crazy how fast and slow time is moving, right? Yeah, I mean, at the you same time. About, yeah, you think about how long ago it's been since the whole quarantine thing. And my wife and I were just talking about how, you know, it was, it was March, Greg, when this was happening. March. And here we are almost in July. My family and I were talking about Christmas the other day. And it's like, well, I wonder what it's going to be like for Christmas. Are we going to be able to get together for, for family Christmas? You know, we... Uh oh, man it, this thing is uh it's changed our world for a lot longer than I think even even I expected it to and you know here we are let's just see how it goes in the next month I guess but it it's yeah inconceivable that we're almost to to where
1: media days would have been it, it, you're right though it's just, it's bizarre how it has gone slow and yet fast at the same time and it shouldn't really work that way but it is crazy Great to hear from John Cook, the update on that. It does sound like they're trying to piece together a non-conference schedule where they basically can bus everywhere. Either they bus somewhere or somebody buses to Lincoln to play them. It uh, sounds like there's a big NCA meeting tomorrow. We may learn more about the uh, NCAA volleyball season uh, within a matter of days. i, I got to think, too, that these conference commissioners, as it relates to football, are going to let the next 10 days go by and then come back after the 4th of July, and then they've got to make some tough decisions about whether we're going to go forward, if we're going to delay, what are we going to try to do. So I think we're about two weeks away from really some hard decisions being made, maybe some concrete ones being made. There was a story, great story in the Omaha World-Herald today about Nebraska has got 93% season ticket renewal for football. That's, a, that's amazing considering the last couple years have been tough and you've got this going on, and yet the fans are still there supporting their Big Red. Yeah, crazy to think about, and let's all hope it works out for the best, but, you know, this
2: is a crazy time for all, and, you know, I think uh, a lot of people's plans are on hold in that regard,
1: and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. We're going to go through some peaks and valleys before now in September the 5th where you're going to feel like, yep, we're a go, and then you're going to go, there's no way. I mean, it's it's just going to be that kind of a wild, emotional ride over the next couple of months. Our Sports Highly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Tomorrow night, Teddy Greenside will be here. Seven on 7 you headed your way tomorrow night as well. And we'll have our Flix Picks for the week. All that coming up tomorrow. And then on Friday, our greatest games. Speaking of John Cook, we're going to go volleyball as we're going to play back that 2015 championship game victory over the Texas Longhorns up at the CHI Center in Omaha. That'll our greatest
3: game on Friday night. Another
1: hour of Sports Highly coming up.